Tobias' attack was suicidal. Max Verstappen, you are a race winner. You like my pace? You like it? Hello and welcome to Back of the Grid, the podcast with more Brazilian Grand Prix episodes than Nico Hulkenberg podiums. My name is Chris Ooh. Evans. <laughs> oh, that's really harsh. It, it's a reference to something. It's not just a necessary... Okay, this isn't necessarily mean. But you'll see. Anyway, my name's Chris Evans and I'm joined as ever by Tom King and by Stu Greenwood. Hello. Hello. How are we? Said, he- said hello in the wrong order then, but never mind. It, it all works. <laughs> that's, it's my fault. I, I jumped in. <laughs> <laughs> you're so keen you're so keen after such know, a, a thrilling grand prix yeah it was thrilling wasn't it it was i think you said tom it was a it was what you'd expect from brazilian grand prix that was actually Stu that said that oh. i said i said i wasn't it, it was entertaining it just wasn't exciting i think is the way i describe it the thing it, the thing is it, i'm you get used to Brazilian Grand Prix being really significant for the championship. There's been so many yeah. championship deciders there, or at the very least, races that have swung it in one way or the other before the final race. And there's, it was all over before this race. So, yeah, I think bizarrely, this is probably one of the first races in the last few where where nothing controvert, nothing really controversial happened at all. Well, do I you know one yeah. thing that helped that that I saw someone point out? What was that? Pretty much everywhere on the track, there is a curb and then a strip of grass and then some runoff area. So nobody oh. ran wide overtaking or oh. cut corners or anything. That's funny and that, when they it? did, they were punished. Yeah. yeah. Funny, funny that. Punished in, by usually spinning. Yeah, exactly. There was, there funny was a, that, isn't a it? natural punishment. <clears throat> I, do you know what? I did actually think that... Um, I'm sure you'll bring us on to it in a minute, but the qualifying incident made me think exactly what we've talked about the last couple of times, track limits have been brought up, that the old school circuits, places like this, the older tracks, there's a lot more punishment that if you go off, it's it's a mistake and it's usually got severe consequences for it. Yeah. Um, and qualifying proved that, didn't it? Sorry, just on that. The, the, one of the things I love about this track, actually, on the old schoolness of it, is just like like many of the old school tracks, this one in particular, nothing's really changed about the layout of the track. So when you go back and watch all the old footage of the Senna races and stuff like that, then the track is more or less the same. Yeah, and I just, the I only just fa- significant change I can think of is the pit entry and pit exit. Yeah. Other than that, I don't think they've really changed anything on the circuit. Yeah, so you can... Yeah, because they put the can... little zigzag into the pit entry, didn't they? Mm. Yeah, that's uh, the the cool thing is you can go on board with uh, with with the different drivers of the different eras and see sort of the different lines the cars have taken and stuff like that over years and years and years and how how that's changed. Even yeah, it's one of the few places where I guess you can still actually directly compare the um, yeah the different eras. Yeah, and that that I find really cool about it. But that's just a just obviously unrelated to the race itself. But it's just a cool thing about Brazilian Grand Prix. Fun thing. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so Hamilton, first line lap in Q1, uh, lost it towards the top of the hill. Um, and as you say, Tom, it was other tracks he'd probably have just run wide, come back on the track and carried on, but not here. He ended up in the barriers. Um, no time on the board. So we had instantly had the excitement of Hamilton starting at the back of the grid. Well, initially from the back of the grid, but then they changed pretty much every part on his car they could change. So hmm. starting from the pit lane. Um, 
which you can't really blame him for. They're pretty much stuck knew everything in there and they're going to have it yeah. turned up to max for the last two races. Yeah, and it's actually yeah. a, a, a brand new engine as well, like a new spec <clears throat> engine. Yeah. Which... Uh, well, a nice two extended test sessions for the end of the season for them. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but obviously, I mean, the speed he had was insane, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, we jumped forward a bit, but if you looked at, like the speed difference between him and pretty much any other car down the main straight it was like at some points he was overtaking people and he was going like 20k's faster than them yeah <laughs> I know you have to take slipstream and DRS and stuff into account but even so that is I'm sure there was a point where he was 30 kilometers an hour faster than stuff like the Red Bulls there's a there's yeah, a shot crazy. out there somewhere of his and uh, Verstappen's you know, oh, the, the little delta kind of yeah. things, the little telemetry things that they put on screen, and it shows you the speed, and it shows he's got his DRS open because they're on the main straight, but he is literally uh, doing like 250 where um, Verstappen's doing 220. It's a huge, huge yeah. amount. Because I reckon DRS is worth 12 or 15, is it something like that? I think 15 there is what they've said at max. Yeah. Um, and then the rest of it is... Probably a bit, a bit of it slipstreaming behind him, maybe depending on when the stats were taken. Yeah, and the rest of it is just the fact that the Renault was turned down and he was turned up. Well, yeah, yeah we did have the added element of um after what was it six Renault blow ups in Mexico, um mm. and it's this is probably the second highest uh, track in terms of altitude on the calendar. Yeah. So Renault basically turned down all their engines to help them survive, yeah. which they mostly did. Yeah. I don't think Hartley's was anything to do with the engine, though. It was just like a completely unrelated oil leak, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, it was... So, um, I don't think... Well, I think that what Renault put in place to help their engines didn't... Like, it, it's not anything related to that that cost Hartley his finish. I think um, the only one that failed was um, Gasly, because he, he slapped a race that he completely lost power about 200 metres from the line on the last lap so we just had to coast home <laughs> for the last 200 metres yeah <laughs> yeah he must have barely made it actually yeah um, um but that's the end of the race I guess we should start at the start of the race uh Bottas took a pretty decent pole position actually it was an impressive lap Vettel pretty much openly admitted afterwards that he had kind of bottled it and taken it easy through turn one and two on his fastest lap otherwise he reckons he could have got pole but uh that's not how pole positions are won, is it? So, no. Um, no. But it didn't matter because he slid down the inside of Bottas into turn one um, and started pulling away pretty quickly, actually. Yeah, it looked like um, he just totally outbraked him into turn one, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, Bottas actually got a much better initial getaway, but yeah. then kind of the second phase, Vettel just yeah. seemed to have a lot more horses in his car. Mm. Um, yeah, second place is a pretty good place to start, actually, on that grid because the inside line is where you want to be and it's it, it's a weird one isn't it the, the the number one grid slot on that right hand side of the grid is the natural racing line during a lap um because you'll always notice that the racing line is kind of high on the start finish straight and yeah. then coming in from a very wide angle into one and carrying it through to two but in the race start you sometimes want the inside line, even if it's not the normal racing line, because you can obviously get yourself on the apex yeah. and you've got advantage then. Um, mm-hmm. As Plus, I see it both ways, but Vettel definitely made advantage of the fact that 
he had that inside line on the grid. Yeah, totally. Plus, as um, Ricardo proved throughout the race, there's tons of grip pretty much anywhere through turn yeah. one anyway. So, yeah. um, we only made to turn two without the first instance of the race. Uh, Magnussen, Van Dorn, and Ricardo going side by side, um, and all ended up coming together. Uh, it Ricardo came off. Actually, no, Ricardo survived. So he didn't come off worse. Magnussen and Van Dorn both retired as a result. Ricardo just got spun. Uh, from the onboard and stuff, it looks like Magnussen was trying to squeeze Van Dorn without knowing that Ricardo was also there alongside him. Yeah, yeah. Um, it went down as a racing incident. Probably seems fair, I think. I think so. Turn, you know, turns one, two, three through uh, in, uh, into Lagos. They're always a bit of a uh, elbows out. Well, turns, yeah. turns one, two, three at any track are elbows out. Do what you can, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, if we're going to start penalising drivers for those kinds of incidents, then we're not racing anymore. Yeah. I, to be honest as well, I'm, I am trying to think off the top of my head if, if Magnussen had anyone on the other side of them. Because although nobody else was directly involved in the incident, there's nothing to say that there wasn't a car on his outside that he was also trying to be careful of while squeezing I don't, Van Dorn. But I don't, I don't think, think there was there anyone was, there. Um, um, I think he was squeezing Van Dorn a perfectly reasonable amount if there hadn't been a red bull on the other side of him, which, I mean, you see it all the time, don't you? Cars yeah. three wide, but the ones either side don't know the other one's there, so. I think the thing that Ricardo got away with there was it was wheel-to-wheel contact for for him and Van Dorn. Um, it was the sidewall of Van Dorn's front left against the rear of right of his car. Yeah. Um, and that kind of saved Ricardo, but it was the thing that did it for Van Dorn because he obviously had his steering at an angle at the time so as soon as he's made contact he snapped that um, yeah. steering rod immediately and I think but, exactly the same thing happened on um, Magnussen's car as well yeah mm-hmm. the uh, the the really unlucky thing was so Magnussen obviously wouldn't have seen Ricardo because Ricardo kind of he made a rod for his own back Ricardo because he he saw an opportunity and he went for it because he, he sailed round the outside but he just it just put him in just the wrong place at the wrong time, and that impact just pushed obviously Van Dorn into him and wrecked his opening lap. Yeah, as soon as I saw the incident, I was thinking to myself, "This is why making all the changes to the car and starting from the pit lane is probably the wisest move in these kind of scenarios." I know that Ricardo was a little different to Hamilton because obviously he only had ten places. And by the end of it, he was 14th, wasn't it? Because of other people's yeah. penalties and stuff like that. Yeah. So slightly different scenario for him. But it shows why Mercedes and Hamilton just made changes and decided to start, like decided to make changes that would get them starting from the pit lane rather yeah. than sticking the car in the back of the grid in that scenario. Because Hamilton only- could so easily have been caught up in that if he'd been. Oh, yeah, easily. Not only that, it allowed them to start on the inverted strategy as well, using the, yes. Yes. Uh, the soft tyre first rather than the super soft which obviously when you put the super soft on second the track's fully rubbered in your car's a lot lighter so you're going to wear that tire a lot more slowly and you've got oodles of grip to go racing with so yeah yep another benefit then pretty much as the safety car was coming out for that incident uh up at turn six i think it is where hamilton crashed in qualifying we had a grosjean and ocon coming together um they were side by side up the hill, uh, Ocon on the outside, and they seem to kind of both have a wobble. And I've seen a few replays, and it's hard to tell exactly what happens, but it almost looks like they kind of spun 
all lost the back ends at the same time yeah. and then ended up coming together afterwards. Yeah, it's like synchronized drifting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was just about to say it looked like some kind of rally crossover. It take. seems like that. I mean, like a drift up the inside. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously the stewards have a lot more camera angles, and they decided that um, it was worth giving Grosjean a ten-second penalty for. From what we saw, that seems extremely harsh to me. To be honest, I think everybody other than the stewards on the day seemed to think that it is yeah. quite harsh. Um, like, it's yes, it's not turn one, but it's an opening lap. There's still a lot of cars yeah. side by side. Not everyone's filtered into a single racing line yet. Um, in fairness, Ocon is the one steaming around the outside of Grosjean, not Grosjean steaming down the inside of Ocon. So yeah. Ocon's put himself in that position, and then allegedly Grosjean's tweeted since saying he had a puncture and I for the life of me have tried to watch that first (laughs) lap so many times and work out where he picked up a puncture and I can only imagine that if he had a slow puncture that was causing him issues he must have maybe run over some of the debris from what was going on yeah quite possibly elsewhere because I can't see him make any contact with anyone until the drift and oversteer into into the side of Ocon's car so I can only imagine that's maybe contributed to T- telemetry or it didn't happen that's, that's <laughs> yeah that's it <laughs> yeah prove it Roman did yeah. you notice that they didn't tell him he'd got the penalty until the lap he had to come in to take it yes yeah. <laughs> which I think is probably a result of how angry Grosjean gets while he's driving yeah. he, he doesn't like getting penalties does he Grosjean he always gets a bit he's not a huge fan though yeah I mean to be fair I'd have been as angry in the same situation I think yeah, I that think was I would. that seemed extremely harsh to me um but yeah, as a result, uh, Ocon retired from that. Um, he, he luckily got two punctures on the same side of the car, which basically means you're <laughs> scraping the right-hand side of the floor along. You tried to keep going, but it yeah. uh, didn't come off. Um, which has happened just after he got the record for the most consecutive finishes at the start of his career. This is his first retirement in F1 after nearly almost two and a half seasons in F1. I, I could be wrong, but... It was very similar with Max Chilton when he originally set the record. He he got to the record and it, it was like, Max has got this amazing record. And then about two or three li- races later was the incident at Canada where he came together with whoever was his teammate at the time. Maybe yes. It might have been Jules. I think it might have been actually, yeah. But he came together with his teammate into into the first... That sounds familiar. Chicane, like four... Is it four, four and five officially at Canada? Um... But it, yeah. it was it was not long after he'd set the record from memory. So maybe it's just a curse of like once you've got the record, that's it, you're yeah. doomed to fail. Yeah. No one ever smashes the record, they just take it. <laughs> or they get the record, then smash it up. <laughs> <laughs> Something gets smashed either way. <laughs> um but that is uh Mr. Oconsistency's first retirement <laughs> in a single seater car since two thousand and fourteen. Which is a hell of a record. Yeah, definitely. Super Mr. impressive. Mr. O consistency. Yeah, I love that. I can't mm. take credit for that, but I'm a big fan of it. <laughs> um, also, one of the few races we've not got a double uh, Force India points finish as well, because there's not been yeah. many of those this season. Only the, I believe that's their own, only their second retirement I as a team. Is, yeah. Because the other one was Perez when they came together in Baku. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I believe so. That's the only time they've retired other than the Baku retirement. Which worth note, worth note. Quite crazy, really, for a, for what is a um, 
an independent team to be on race. N- are we on nineteen of twenty or twenty of twenty-one? I've, I've completely forgotten. Um, it's a very good question. With one race to go for them to have only <laughs> had two retirements all season as an independent, yeah, it's super impressive. I think he's quite impressive. Uh, worth noting that um, Force India had wrapped up fourth place in the championship in Mexico. Mm-hmm. For yes, those that need reminding. for the second consecutive season as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, as Martin Brundle always says, they are hands down the best team um, in a kind of pounds per point uh, way of thinking. Because on an independent budget, the what they do in that car is crazy impressive. Yeah, yeah. imagine what Definitely. they could do if they had a proper budget. Yeah. Um, in, on a side note, actually, I read today that it's now looking unlike um, that change next season to uh, Force One. They were supposed to be called. That, um, oh yeah, yes. They'd made a, take, like taken out a bunch of company names and stuff, but it looks like that's now not going to happen. Um, I think basically a lot of um, potential sponsors were concerned that Force One abbreviated it is too much like Formula One, and it might lead to a bit of weird confusion. Well, it's so not, they're it's reassessing. Not- not just names the sponsors, now, I guess. but um, Formula One management also have a bit of a beef. Yeah, they're not going to be too well. happy about they're that. They're not too chuffed. Um, so I think they're trying to think of something else involving the word force. <sighs> just, I mean, I can understand they're wanting to keep the name force. I don't think Force One's a very good name. I think definitely... It's not great. It, all they need to do is sit down for like an hour in a room and they'll probably come up with something better. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my feeling on it, but you know. Yeah. Anyway, that's team. a that's a weird aside. Uh, yeah, so after that safety car, um, Massa managed to get around the outside of Alonso at turn one on the restart, which pretty much set us up for an epic race between them two for the entire distance. They were nose to tail for basically the entire race. I'm not sure what happened with them around the pit, stop, pit stops, actually. We didn't really see either of them pitting, but I'm assuming that whoever pitted second came out either just in front or just behind. Um because, yeah, those guys were together for the entire race. Yeah. Uh, it's a shame we didn't see more of them, actually. The TV didn't show us a ton of that battle, unfortunately. Mm. That was one of the downsides of this weekend, that they were more interested in a Hamilton chasing third that with about five to six laps to go, you knew that was done for because he, he not only needed to get past Raikkonen, but then if he was going to make any charge any further through them, he had to make up like over a second a lap. Like It, it was done at that point. Yeah. And, and all they needed to do was move across to what was an epic fight between those two and Perez for, the, for that position. And everyone would have loved that. And nobody really I mean, cared about they, what Hamilton was doing at that point. I yeah, and the way the Mercedes and Ferrari race each other, all they really needed to do was cut to Hamilton and Raikkonen at turn one every lap and then you can cut yeah. back to the other three just at each other for the entire rest of the lap and because of the way they were spaced out that would have worked quite comfortably as well because yeah, you could exactly. have seen Hamilton and Raikkonen in the key overtaking spots to see if he was able to make a move and then you could have quite easily swapped back to the other group and watched them then going through the same sector so it, it wouldn't have been difficult I'm just slightly the disappointed at turn one. in them just let us see watch T turn one for the last like seven laps. It would have been yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, Hamilton was working his way through. I mean, Hamilton was just scything his way through the field. Like we say, he was just steaming past people with like 20, 30 kilometer an hour speed differences. Uh Ricardo was working his way up to not quite as quickly, but certainly more stylishly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like every overtake was just 
stunning. Yeah, I'd like yeah. to use the term "wrecking shop" for <laughs> uh, for Ricardo's performance because he was absolutely the the distances he was coming from into turn one was insane. He's, no matter no matter how many times you see him dive bomb someone like that, it still surprises you every time. Every time it's like, no, did not surely yeah. not from the oh no, there he goes, he's passed. Yeah. It's like he just comes from so far back. He's yeah. Incredible on the brakes in that yeah, thing. He's a maestro on the brakes. He's also got an incredible amount of trust, though, in everyone who's doing that, too. Yeah, because true, actually. There's a lot of points where he is that far back that if I was the person in front, I'd I'd have in the back of my mind, ah, it's not going to make a move from there. But then I suppose if you know it's Danny Rick, you kind of think, oh, God, that's Danny Rick. He might make a move. I need to keep my eye out. So I suppose there is that element to it because you saw... Um, when he was doing it to Hulkenberg, you sort of saw Hulkenberg, as soon as he found his breaking point and he was he was slowing for turn one, his eyes were just locked on that mirror, waiting for yeah. Danny Rick to make his move. And then from what felt like 400 yards back, Danny Rick just dives on the inside <laughs> of him. He's like, well, I'm, I was right to be cautious. But I think that's maybe how he does it. He lulls people into this uneasy space of, mm. oh, I don't want to turn in because he, he could make a move. And then he, yeah. he makes the move yeah. and he kind of gets them to do it for him almost in the sense that he, he psychs them out into yeah. being like um too nice like leaving him enough room or, or whatever and it's not bullying it's not like he's not aggressive or anything but because you know he's got the talent to do it i think you're always cautious that i don't want to be the guy that turns in on him and ruins one of them kind yeah. of thing it's always yeah. in the back of your mind when you're the other guy i think it's a good thing for a driver to have that uh that sense of that power over other drivers yeah. almost yeah because it gives him an advantage on the track you know like exactly for all the reasons that you've just said he he's and that advantage will just get stronger and stronger as time goes on as well if he keeps doing yeah. it. yeah plus he comes from so far back if if you did like defend against that you'd just be defending fresh air and be like wasting your time yeah, yeah. Like you'd, fe- you'd feel stupid moving yeah. to defend when he's that far back and then suddenly I think he might have been signs that showed a replay from head on and you see signs like look in his mirror and there's like nah I'm good look back next thing Ricard's there alongside <laughs> yeah. 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 He's, he's got some some talent on the on the brake pedal though for him to be able he to really pull those like. moves off to outbreak people the way he does he must have a feel that maybe through the car maybe it's something to do with the car or maybe it's just raw talent but because Verstappen's very good on the brakes as well. Both Red Bull cars have been really good on the brakes, yeah. I think, this season. But still, like, it takes a, a serious amount of guts and and talent to just to, to, to pull ahead of someone from that far back in a braking zone. Yeah. Um, the only real action at the front was um, when Bottas pitted a lap before Vettel and tried the undercut. Uh, didn't quite come off. It was probably his only real chance as well. I mean, we, we've seen many times how well that Mercedes follows other cars um, and he never really looked like getting close enough to Vettel to actually have a shot at overtaking him. Mm. Um, I mean, you could argue, given Hamilton's pace, that Bottas maybe should have been a bit closer, but then again, Hamilton was basically driving a brand new car at that point, so... Yeah, I, I don't think you can compare Hamilton's performance and Bottas's. No, personally, I was still disappointed in Bottas's race. If I'm honest, I was hoping to see him get another win to sort of end the season on a bit of a high. But uh... yeah, it, 
there was a point where it looked promising because he dropped at one point to maybe two seconds behind Vettel. This is before the pits. Um, But it was very clearly um, a car conservation tactic of knowing that it can't run consistently in that one second window to be in DRS. So it was a let's go conservation, drop back just a little bit. We know we've got the pace to maintain that gap and let's try the undercut. Um, but I just don't think he had the the raw pace on the, those no. fir- that first outlap when he was trying to perform the undercut, which is why Vettel got out just ahead of him in the, in the ultimate crux of it. And then Vettel just pulled away after that. Yeah. Plus, <clears> let's not forget that Hamilton was like siding through people until he got behind a Ferrari and then he just couldn't get yeah. close enough. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, they were kind of lucky with the Red Bulls this weekend because the Renault engines were turned down so much. But still, as soon as that Mercedes is close to another car that's even close to being as fast as it, it just loses so much performance. Yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's strange, isn't it? Because he did, he did, he didn't seem to be troubled too much by the other cars. Like all the other cars, he got more or less straight mm. past. I, I yeah. think it's more that the Ferrari is much closer to the Mercedes in performance yeah. than anything that. Because what seems to be the the problem for the Mercedes that I'm noticing more and more as, as the season's gone on and you've seen the Ferraris trying to hold them off is it's that front-end washout that you get. Yeah. It, there must be something really intricate and sensitive going on with that front end and that front wing because when it's in that horrible dirty air that's all thrown around and being thrown off the back of the car in front something with that front balance is not working because it's just constant understeer. Um, and you saw him running wide into like turn one um, when he looked like he could be in a good position to maybe stay with Raikkonen and then take a run round through one, two, three and have a go at him the, on the second DRS zone into four. But because he was washing out into one or two because of this this bad effect on the front wing, it was just causing him to lose his opportunity going into turn four with the second DRS zone. And I, I, don't, I don't know the exact component that's causing the issue, but it definitely looks like it's something of that kind of nature that's that's been yeah. their, their downfall this year. But it's definitely designed yeah, to run out front, isn't it? Yeah, oh, definitely. Sure. You saw it happen multiple times. Every time he got <clears> close to Raikkonen, the next couple of corners, he was just running wide, left, right, and centre. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the, the other thing is, through to uh, this track particularly, it's not the easiest. Once you, if you are sort of in equally competitive cars, it's not the easiest track to overtake at. And really, overtaking in a Formula One car is a lot of it is about compromise. You, you know, you're compromising your your braking line, uh, your racing line, to and sacrificing that for aero gain, or you're sacrificing aero to be behind the other car and follow it closely kind of thing. So, like, when there's only one way through a sequence of corners, you've got no choice but to sacrifice your aero, therefore therefore you're going to be slower. Yeah. Or be Danny Ricciardo. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I mean, I was slightly surprised to see there were 52 overtakes in that race. Um, I mean, I know that we sort of check with them on Twitter, the pure pit wall people from Mercedes, that that will include everyone going past... um, under DRS, no, it will include all the people that passed there, Ricardo, Magnussen, and Van Dorn uh, through turn two. So you can take, you know, a, a chunk of those that number like off if you want to look at actual overtakes, <laughs> and then take another ten or fifteen off for Danny Ricardo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you're left with 
whatever Hamilton did. Yeah, <laughs> and then so. that's it. That, <laughs> Pretty that's much, yeah. Race done. <laughs> um, like I don't know about you though, but like looking at how quick Ferrari have been this season, how quick they look at the end of the season, and will presumably take that into next year. Red Bull being right in the tail. If I were Hamilton, I'd be asking Mercedes to build me a slightly slower car that can follow someone. It's like, it's all right building a car that's super quick when you know you're going to be in front, but if you're going to be fighting with two, three, four of the cars, that's no good for you. Yeah, it'd be interesting yeah. to see what they do next season and how what you know what they come up with to allow it to follow cars better because that definitely needs to be on the agenda, that. Yeah, I imagine it'll be a smaller car, that's for sure, because the Mercedes is like a boat this year. Yeah, it's an absolute monster. Yeah, it's a much longer wheelbase compared to yeah. something like the Ferrari when you put them next yeah. to each other. When you when you scroll through the menu on the Formula 1 game and um, you, you compare the Ferrari to the Mercedes, yeah. it's literally like a, a foot longer. It looks bizarre when you <laughs> yeah. switch from one to the other. It's like someone's changed the aspect ratio on your TV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Aspect ratio jokes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, as you said, Hamilton managed to work his way up to fourth but couldn't get any higher. Um, the pace he had at one point, he, in theory, could have been challenging for the win but didn't come off in the end. No. Um, that awesome race between Alonso and Massa carried on for the entire distance. Then, as you said, Perez kind of joined in for the fun at the end. Um, Massa just held off Alonso and Perez was alongside Alonso over the line, but um, Alonso held it. Uh, Alonso said it was their best race of the season, which I think it's probably hard to argue with. Um, they were there on merit. Yeah, eight for yeah. merit. That's qualified, qualified sixth. Um, outraced a lot of people with a Williams. I know Williams isn't the highest uh, benchmark this season, but still with a Williams for the entire race. Yeah, you've, you've got to remember that realistically the only thing in front of him are the big six and then a Felipe Massa who's ragged the proverbial off that car yeah. <laughs> because of where he is and, you know, the fact that it's his last time there. Like, Felipe Massa quite easily probably had two seconds in his pocket based on where he was and what he was doing, I yeah. think, that yeah. weekend. Well, when you look at where Lance Stroll finished... <laughs> Yeah, two laps down in six. Yeah, it's nine day, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Massa best of the rest in seventh. Um, I would say that's maybe his best drive since he came back from his injury. He was just unstoppable. Mm. Um, if he if he did more of those drives, he probably won't be retiring. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but he's retiring, and yeah. it was all all very emotional. Um. We had a uh, Massa Junior on the radio to him at the end, um, and I think everybody had something in their eye. Uh, and it was—I thought it was really nice getting Barrichello to interview him in Portuguese on the podium as well afterwards. It's not not very often they let someone who's not in the top three get on the podium, so I thought that was a nice touch from them. Yeah. Um, I did see someone tweet that uh, Massa Junior has now been on more podiums than Nico Hulkenberg has. <laughs> Hence my little jive at the start of the episode. Oh, awkward. Which is a little harsh, but uh, also true. It's kind of funny. <laughs> um, and I think that's all the main things that happened in the race, unless I've missed something obvious. Not uh, particularly. None that I can think of. I did. Uh, uh, overall, what what's our views on like the the quality of this race like who enjoyed it and who didn't enjoy it and why i thought it was like perfectly fine it's like 
it's in the top half of the races this season, I would say, but it's not like... Yeah, like like I said at the top of the show, it was one of those that was, like, enjoyable, but wasn't particularly exciting. There was nothing in exciting about it, I don't think. Mm. Um, there, there was potential for the excitement when you had, you know, Ricardo and Hamilton at the back... Um, story of the season though isn't it that yeah, yeah and, exactly. you know the, the prospect of watching them come through and to be fair I say it wasn't exciting if you'd have had 71 laps or whatever it was on board with Danny Ricardo, I bet it would have been a hell of a ride hmm. uh, for, in terms of an excitement level but you know th- things like that made made it more, much more entertaining than it possibly would have been without them being at the back mm. and yeah, I think I if think... it wasn't for those two being there we may be talking about a bit of a dull you know, processional race, one of those kind of things, possibly, maybe. Mm. I fe- I, yeah, I think without those two, like you say, it would have been... Decided at turn one. Yeah. Not the best. H- having listened to it on the radio, in the car, and almost crashing my car as a result of listening to it on the radio. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, that was, I'll tell you about it later. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I, I, I listened to it on the radio, and then I watched it, I watched the highlights on Channel 4, and while a lot of things happened... I didn't feel like it was the most exciting of races because it yeah. just it, it all it felt like a done deal for for most of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, once again, all lot, the best stuff was in the midfield, yeah, which they'd never show us. I got a lot of entertainment from watching overtakes being done and stuff like that. And in that regard, it was a good race. But in terms of like drama, then there wasn't that much. Was there really? No. no. Bizarrely, no. for this for this season, because it seems like every race, I think the re- one of the reasons is every race we've had has had some form of like, you know, controversy or drama go on at some point, especially in recent yeah. races. And this one was all really quite quiet, other than other than Hamilton's yeah. crash that the in quality, then nothing major happened. Nothing sent ripples through the paddock, did it? No. no my my biggest takeaway once again is that. I'm just really excited to watch Alonso next season. Yeah, yeah. Because God, that McLaren's a good car this year. It just hasn't got any straight line power. My biggest takeaway is that Danny Ricciardo needs to up the difficulty on Formula One. <laughs> <laughs> Crank up to 110 percent. Yeah. Move to Sauber. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I did also want to mention that. Um, Right after uh, Massa and Alonso crossed the line, the first thing Alonso did was pull alongside Massa to applaud him. And then when Alonso parked up in the pit lane, he stood next to his car and waited for Massa to get back to applaud him past the game, which I thought was very classy from him. He's such a classy guy, isn't he? He really is. Do you know know that there is literally one good thing that comes out of Felipe Massa's retirement? Oh, yeah. It's every time those two get on the track near each other, it will stop commentators going, this time he is faster than Fernando. God, yeah. I am sick of that line. <laughs> every, ta- every time those two end up on the track together, that's all David Croft or Ben Edwards ever talk about. Yeah. It's like, mate, it was, what, 2008, 2008 or something? called, they want their commentators yeah. back. Oh, it's been a long old time. Mm. Uh... Move of the day? I mean... <laughs> Anything Ricardo did. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. I think if I had to pick one, I'd probably go for when he passed Stroll early on because it was a 
amazing lunge from behind, but then he also kept so much speed that he passed uh, Sauber yeah. two corners later yes. in the next straight yeah, as well. That was yeah. a good one. That was, that was the one I was going to say. It's yeah, going to narrow it to a take... specific one, that one, but I think yeah. just he deserves the credit yeah. all over for that one. Contra- basically take your pick. Controversially, we're all in agreement, I think, aren't we? Yeah, that doesn't happen <laughs> very often. Uh, driver of the day? Danny Ricardo. Yeah. I think, I think he was the, very good. For the number of quality overtakes, he's definitely got to be in consideration. He was certainly I, most entertaining. I think pit lane to fourth is impressive, even if you have got a brand new car. Yeah, I mean, um, Hamilton was far and away the fastest man out there. Yeah, yeah um, he was. I remember the stat being relayed during the race that only two people have ever gone pit lane to podium. So yeah. it's no mean feat getting fourth. Wow, um, I didn't know that. That's a huge result. Yeah, truly was one. And oh, I forgot who the other one was off the top of my head. Yeah, right me now. too. But yeah, there's only two people that have ever gone pit lane to podium. So I think that the reason he won Driver of Day is probably along those lines that it was yeah. fairly impressive to get to fourth, new car or not. Um, um, but I think. Alonso, uh, sorry, I think Ricardo coming back, not, admittedly not as far up the grid, but the fact that he was doing it with a much slower car, yeah, yeah, probably makes style. it more impressive. That, that's the thing. The style me, factor. Is, he, he, yeah. Well, he didn't. He, his engine was turned down. He mm. he has a he does have a it's a slower engine anyway. It's probably a slightly less developed car because the budget in that team's a bit less than what Mercedes get. It's it's categorically a worse car, and he did almost as much bar one position yeah. which was his, yeah. happened to be his teammate he did almost as much so it's easy Ricardo for me yeah I think I'll throw Alonso's name in the mix as well I think once again he got every drop out of that car that he was possible to get um, yeah. I think that was a super impressive drive from Alonso yeah. and as we said before I think we've got to mention Massa in the mix as well just because it was one of his best drives yeah. it's his best I think it's his best finishing position in Two seasons, I think, from definitely right? this season. season and a half. Definitely, yeah, this I think season. it's more like a season and a half since he finished this high up. If I had to pick one of those, I maybe lean towards Alonso, but I can be convinced to go with uh, Ricardo. If you guys want to go with him, I'd I'd personally go with Ricardo out of the bunch. Like I said, I can definitely see why Lewis got the one on the vote, but. I think Danny Rick just did it with more style and more conviction, and like Stu says, lesser machinery. Yeah. Yep. Um, the feature in honour of the race winner who we've barely mentioned. Uh? Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? <laughs> Took you long enough. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I had to swap the like to click on it. <laughs> um. I would like to nominate uh, Ted Kravitz for showing um, a picture of a young Brendan Hartley on his phone on live television, at which point someone texted him the word cock, which was thoroughly entertaining. I mean, if A, why are Sky Sports filming something on a mobile phone? Surely they've got the budget to do better than that. It's not the first time Ted Kravitz has held his mobile phone up to the camera, though, is it? (laughs) Turn on airplane mode, turn off the actual text that you see in the notifications <laughs> like what do you, i really want to know who that is that texted him though he clearly someone was sat at home that's got ted's number yeah he, he saw his phone tv he's like oh was ted clearly watching that broadcast and going 
Oh, he's just said he's going to get his phone out to show me something. I'm going to text him yeah. the second his phone goes anywhere this, near. <laughs> and he's and done I, it. I really, I really like as well, like, there's so many more edgy, like, rude things he could have done, but just there's something about just all in capital letters, just the word cock. That's <laughs> brilliant. He, the thing is, the timing of it is, is perfection. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. And to, to say that we're on what is usually a 30 to 60 second delay minimum here, yeah. he's, whoever has done that has done incredibly well to time yeah. that so yeah. that it got on screen. He, he's, <laughs> he's, the ser- he's the hero that we all needed, but not necessarily the hero yeah. we deserved. <laughs> That mystery person. Yeah. yeah. Um, any any actual racing versions? The only real race incident, if you want to call it that, that I think warranted it at the time was maybe the fact that Grosjean got the penalty he did. It was one of those, yeah. we've, we've kind of given this award to the steward one or two times this season. Mm. This could maybe be another one, but I that, that was that. me like, that was me like trying to find something and being overly critical, if I'm honest. Yeah, I mean, as we said before, like the stewards have a lot more angles and can watch these replays indefinitely. So clearly, they saw something we didn't. But this was very much like you, you see some penalties and there's like a split opinion. This is one of the ones where every single person went, "Huh? Well, yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, though, like I, I didn't say this earlier, but just to play devil's advocate a little bit, as I sometimes like to do on here, hmm. um, you know, th- there's a set of rules, right? And you have to keep control of your car, and he wasn't in control of his car. He says he had a puncture, and I, and you know I said earlier telemetry or it didn't happen. But like in se- in <laughs> seriousness, like it sounds a bit like a race driver's excuse to me that it doesn't. Oh yeah, yeah I'm I'm, I'm fully on for that. I, I think that that's just him trying to add more to his care. So yeah. I'm, I'm not disputing that. Um, um, the, the the thing is, the rule is, it, it, the penalty was Luke. It's causing losing not not being in control of the car and causing, causing a, collision. a collision, and that is yeah. that's exactly what he did. Despite them both almost seeming to be syn- synchronized drifting, the difference is Ocon was drifting and he didn't cause a collision. Grosjean did, so therefore Grosjean, yeah. by letter of the law, gets a penalty. As whether or not the letter of the law should be applied in all cases, that's another debate. Yeah, but I still think ten seconds seems very harsh. Yeah. But, I think they probably could have given him less, but you know, I, I don't think we should be giving the the stewards WTF for this one. No, no, that, that like I say, it's clutching at straws, putting it forward. Yeah, yeah, because there wasn't particularly much else to put forward. I, I felt maybe, <laughs> uh, I felt maybe Magnuson's sort of turn one, three, three into one, don't go. He ought to have seen um, that they were free wide, really, yeah, or, or at mm. least been more careful. I've not seen all yeah. the onboards from it, but it's lap one, though, isn't it? Yeah, I, well, that's true. On yeah, lap one. lap one. Yeah, yeah. I the only, the only on track thing I could think of was when Verstappen was asking for a pit stop towards the end when he could take a pit stop without losing the place, and Red Bull was saying, mm, "We'd rather you stay out." Yeah, that um, one was weird. It, like, well, but apparently, well. he has a bonus for fastest lap in his contract. And what did he do when he got his fresh tires on? Went Set out and banged in a lap. new lap record. Oh, exactly. right. fastest lap, yeah. Now, here's my argument against pitting him. If they have an issue when they're changing the wheels and they don't need him to come in, 
and he's going to finish in the same position anyway, then why bring him in? Is the counter argument to that? I know, I know, he was uncomfortable and he, and he might have sort of yeah. lost, lost grip and had a crash. But he wasn't uncomfortable. He wanted yeah, to set he just that bonus fast to slap. He was, he, yeah, he was bonus. talking that up a bit. But the thing is that even if they'd have had a, an issue, he still had a gap to Ricardo and then some back to Massa. Like. But, even a slow pit stop, like it'd have to be something serious. To, the pro- I, I can understand the team argument from that point of view, well, but it's, it's not just that. It's you're, you're thinking backwards, though. You're thinking back to the cars behind. When what if something happened to a couple of the cars in front, and then you've taken this pit stop? Like, say, I don't know, say Hamilton gets a puncture or someone gets a puncture. Yeah, that's a bigger argument, I guess. Then there's a potential that you could gain a place and. You don't because you've taken a pit stop. Yeah. I'd maybe agree with that more earlier in the season, but at this point, they're not going to gain or lose anything. No, that's really? true. That's true. And it's smacked of that, actually. Know. The whole thing smacked of, well, there's what's the difference? <laughs> yeah. All that being said, I think we need to give this award to Ted. Just <laughs> Scott, Sky are not hard up. Just ask someone to buy you an iPad. <laughs> And you can show things off your iPad screen to your heart's content and not have people yeah. sending you text messages. Or just ask the guys in the visual studio to actually put something on screen yeah. for a change. Stick it on the bloody Skypad. The Skypad. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> God. <laughs> I think it's Stu doesn't like the Skypad. <laughs> it never works. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It breaks it's hilarious. They <laughs> <laughs> have to press it like ten times to get to, get, to do anything. Or Paul the rest is always yeah. poking at that and screen. The looks on their faces as well as they do. It's almost like you can see them sweating while they're using it because they just don't know what's going to happen next. <laughs> but it's all I've got. None of these people are trained for live TV, but they know they've got their trusty Skypad, yeah. so they still follow that. Like it's not working. It's not working. <laughs> oh, it makes me chuckle that. While we're mentioning Sky and uh, criticizing them because it's fun too. Um, like while they had all these nice shots of um, everyone going for mad for Massa and him being on the podium with his son and everything, Sky felt the need to cut away to uh, tell us that there's another race in two weeks and that we can uh, watch it in glorious uh, Ultra HD. And also, there's some rugby on the other channel if you fancy watching oh, that now. Thanks. It's like, really, Sky, can you not give us two more minutes just to see Massa and his yeah. son on the podium? Yeah. You really have to try and sell me 4K mm. TV. That, that's, that's the Sky way. Yeah. Sell, sell, anyway, sell. that was Brazil. There's a couple <laughs> of little news things to mention as well. Um, Pirelli are having another tire compound next year because they're idiots. We don't have enough already. Uh, they're going to be using the pink uh, color scheme that they used for the Ultra Softs uh, last race. No, two races ago in USA. There's going to be a permanent pink tire that's going to be even softer than the Ultra Soft. So what could you possibly call something softer than ultra soft? Oh. Well, Pirelli have asked for our help. They want us to choose between mega soft, extreme soft, and hyper soft. <laughs> I should point out that all of those are single words as well. There's no spaces in those. <laughs> um, as lots and lots of people have pointed out, you included Tom, why don't we just get rid of the hards and move everything... The longest lot. Do you know how many racing laps have been done on the hard tyre so far this season? I was about to ask you exactly the same question, so I know the answer. Let's see if Stu knows the answer. Uh, racing laps across yeah. all teams. Racing laps on the hard tyre. Yep. Uh, ten. None. Zero. It's zero. It is a hot zero. Really? <laughs> Literally. 
I'd, they yeah. barely use it in practice, let alone in uh, in a race scenario. I, I think that they started taking them on the allocations where the, the tyres were harder earlier in the season. Everybody ran it in like FP1 and FP2 and basically went, this is too hard, even for here, at places where they use hard compounds. And then if you remember, everything shifted a bit to the left and everything went softer and everything was yeah. like a stage softer. And they've just never used it since. Nobody uses it, and nobody's put a racing lapping on it at all. Okay, here's here's yeah. here's a funny thing. Um, on the Pirelli Facebook page, you can vote for your favourite name for the tyres. Yeah, you can. Yeah, and in front of me, I have the results from the Facebook page. So, oh really? So the Mega Soft, which is the thumbs up, uh, the or the, <laughs> the traditional like button, only has forty nine votes. Oh wow! Uh, the extreme soft, which is probably my preferred uh, preferred name for it, is seventy at uh, seventy three. But <laughs> the the most ridiculous name, hypersoft, <laughs> is a a whopping uh, one hundred and fifty seven votes. <laughs> oh, and funnier yet, two people have gone for a angry face and a <laughs> crying face. <laughs> Which doesn't mean anything. Voted for nothing. They've the abstained like, from voting. Two two problems with that. One, like to the like the layman watching on a Sunday, you can kind of tell the difference between a soft and a super soft, and soft and ultra soft. You can sort of tell which direction they're going. Yeah. Ultra and hyper. Like, who's to say which of those is the more extreme the, one? Yeah. The thing is, like uh, myself and many other people have responded to Pirelli and suggested that why not get rid of the hard and move everything up one yeah or or even change the if they really must have keep that hard tire change the name of that one and make that one the super hard tire then the hard then the medium then the soft then the super soft then the ultra soft and move everything across one but the highlight of this entire thing is all of Force India's Twitter team's responses to every, everything. Things like, <laughs> I'm not sure you can say super hard on daytime TV. And we wouldn't want to tweet that the driver is coming in the pits for a number two if we named them by number, would we? Wow. Um, oh, is that Force India? This is Force, this yeah. is Force India just like taking the mickey out of everything. Just rip it, rip it, everything. Yeah, it, it's it's quite entertaining. I, I, I'll tell you what distracted me there. I, I'm still on Pirelli's uh, Facebook page, <laughs> and um, <laughs> un, under the description of P- P- Formula One tire supplier Pirelli, their name, their like profile information says tire dealer and repair shop in Burton upon Trent, Staffordshire, United Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> Not, you know, not Formula One tire supplier, flagship tire of motorsport. <laughs> it's bizarre. Um, another issue I see with this: they obviously take three different tires to each race, and they're three together. So when they go for the softest of soft next se- next uh, season, we're going to have red, purple, and pink yeah. tires, and they're going to be the same race: hyper, Stupid. ultra, and super. Yeah. That's ludicrous. <laughs> that is... uh, glance, you're not going to be able to tell them apart. It's so stupid. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Um, Just keep the same colours, I've... drop everything down a bar. Jeezy breezy. What are they thinking? There's obviously been um, lots of people suggesting they call them Softy McSoftface. Yeah. Oh, that'd be um, brilliant. Ooh, what do they call I also saw... <laughs> and here goes Alonso on a flying lap on the Softy McSoft face. <laughs> 
Another idea I saw that's got a lot of traction on Twitter is to call them Steve. <laughs> Here goes Alonso <laughs> for a flying lap on Steve. <laughs> putting on a new set of Steves. Uh, there's some comedy here. It's just utterly stupid. Okay, there's I, I just there's some there's some good comments. There's some quite good comments in, on this. Uh, we've got uh, Force India coordination soft. I quite like that. Can just, just just a, just a serious suggestion. I know we're having fun about this, but you know, remember when we just used to call them Prime and Option? Can't we go back to although the tire yeah. might be like the ridiculously soft one, uh, going through the different ranges. Although it might be the compound, on a race weekend, can we not just call them, yeah. like, yeah. the prime, the option, and the extreme, extreme. or the yeah. something like that? Because you've got the prime tyre, which is the middle one. That's the one that you want to be on, because it's the best Balance. in both scenarios. You've got the option, which is the harder one, which is maybe if you want to be more conservative. And then you've got the extreme, which is like a qualifying tyre, or where you want to be pushing really hard, but you're going to hit the limits of adhesion and wear a lot quicker. Why, why, regardless of what colour they are and what actual compound they are, can't we just do that and make life a lot easier for everybody, including the neutrals, that don't really watch the sport inside out like we do? Mm. There you go, Pirelli. Problem solved. Maybe. There's a, there's a few quite bigoted <laughs> comments on here. There must be, Ooh, must be a few... Uh, oh, that's nice. A few Brexit voters um, doing this. One. <laughs> <laughs> uh, extreme soft, nothing mega or hyper about pink. Wow. Um, mm, all right. Soft scoop, ice cream soft. I quite like that. That's pretty, pretty good. Marshmallow is another one yeah, I saw. Yeah, Because yeah. um, having prodded a set of ultra softs with my fingernail once, I dread to think how soft the ultra hyper mega yeah, soft is. Like hubba be. bubba soft. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so someone else suggests you shuffle them all along and then the hardest one you call surprisingly hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's almost as weird as saying super hard on television, isn't it? And at, the opposite end of that, someone else's... at the opposite end of the spectrum here, I've got extreme flaccids. <laughs> oh, I suggested flaccid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going... I'm just surprisingly hard it's like again that sentence Alonso's come out surprisingly hard <laughs> like what oh dear okay and I saw okay. someone else say call them air well done medium medium rare rare and blue <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's a good idea anyway we could talk about yeah, this we're, we're getting forever side, badly sidetracked <laughs> yeah Little bit of news. Uh, Lando Norris, who we've talked about quite a lot, is going to make his F2 debut in Abu Dhabi in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, He's going to be racing for uh, Campos Racing. Um, Clearly getting a bit of experience ahead of him. Almost certainly have an F2 seat next season. Yeah, they've dumped Ralph Bashong and replacing him with Lando. Yeah. (laughs) Who's not exactly been a superstar in F2. Ralph Bashong, no. But none of their drivers have done brilliantly for him this season yeah um, it's not been the best of cars i don't think no it, campos has gone through a few about four drivers this year and none of them have fared too well uh, whether that's campos's fault or not i don't know but, yeah i think um, lando's also racing this weekend at the macau grand prix yeah the macau grand prix yes. which i've never actually watched live before i've only ever watched replays and it's a it's like Monaco on steroids. It's yeah. an amazing he's, place. He's for a busy race. young lad. He's um, he's doing a ty- he's doing a Pirelli tire test on behalf of not anymore. Well, to say McLaren. Not oh, anymore. Has he cancelled um, that now? 
No, the Pirelli and McLaren have jointly decided to cancel it because of how many people got um, held up at gunpoint over the race weekend. Uh, They said for the safety of everyone there, they're going to cancel it. Because it's been quite shocking how many people have been nearly uh, mugged and stuff over the weekend. Uh, It happened to some of Lewis Hamilton's team. It happened to some of the Pirelli guys. I think some of the McLaren guys as well at one yeah, point. Yeah, Pirelli guys as well. Ha- Hamilton said he's yeah. been coming here for 10 years and it has happened every single year to someone. Yeah. The whole time. It happened to um, Jensen Button last year, didn't it? Him and... He was in the car with his people and someone pointed a gun pointed at him. Pointed a gun at him. The driver had to speed yeah, away. Um, well, yeah. Well, they, they, he properly got chased. Did you, did you read this in his book? No, I've not read it actually. Yeah, he, he talk, well, I'll not, I'll not give it all away because you all should read the book. But um, it he goes into the full account and the book, and it sounds absolutely terrifying. Can I ask yeah. Stu, at what point did you sign up on Jensen's marketing team and start getting commission? Because <laughs> every week since that book's come out, you've pushed it. <laughs> it it's a good book, man. <laughs> it's a good book. They gave it to me for free. That's they, they didn't. I wish they did. But if you're listening, please give me free stuff. Uh, right what's next Um, Um, I think we should maybe read something we were sent and asked let's do that let's hear from you guys you make it sound so ominous I know it's not ominous it's just it's involved it is quite involved I'll read it and you'll see so Eric Richardson a few days ago sent us this epic message which reads as follows um, if you were made a team chief for a day and could have any combination of engine, chassis, and a driver from Group A and one from Group B, which I'll tell you the groups in a moment, who would, who and what would you choose? So Group A is your kind of, let's say, top-tier driver. So you've got Hamilton, Bottas, Vettel, Raikkonen, Ricardo, Verstappen, and Alonso. You're allowed one of those seven. Then Group B is basically everybody else that's competed in F1 this year, um, as well as Leclerc, and you've got Giovinazzi and Di Resta in there who did standing drives. Um, he says, I'm leaving out Massa um, because he's retired, and Kvyat is being left out because nobody should be allowed to take him in their team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so it's everyone except Kvyat, basically. Um, he then went on to say, uh, I think, personally, I'd have Mercedes power, obviously, um, in the back of a McLaren with Verstappen and Ocon as the drivers. So what do we think we would hmm. go for? I know I like exactly this. who I'd go for straight away. Go on, then. <laughs> Boring. You can go first, then. Um, I'd have Alonso as my Group A driver, mm-hmm. and I'd have Ocon as my Group B driver. Hmm. Um, and what are they driving? They're what? Oh, so I do I have to say what they're driving as well? Yeah, a, an engine yeah. and a chassis. Oh, I didn't read that bit. Uh, uh, engine and chassis. Well, it, I mean, it'd be a Mercedes, wouldn't it? You want to win, Mercedes. What, sh- what you say? <laughs> chassis? You're going to put in in a Mercedes? In a Mercedes? Oh, I probably have a McLaren Mercedes just for my yeah. own um, love of McLaren. I think I think I can't look past McLaren Mercedes as well, to be honest. Um, Driver-wise, I'm tempted to go for a Vettel or a Ricardo just because they've got more years left in them. And also, I don't want to say exactly the same thing that Steve yeah. said, so I think I'm going to go for Ricardo for my Group A. And my Group B, I'm torn between Ocon and Leclerc, to be honest. you got to think Ocon's going to give you those years, isn't he? 
Well, they both are. Ocon and Leclerc have both got a decade left yeah. in them at least. Um, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to go for Ocon. I'm a big Ocon fan. I'm going to have a Honda-powered Sauber driven... No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's very obvious that I'm going to pick Mercedes McLaren as well. Um, yeah. Maybe put the Mercedes in a Red Bull and see how it, how it works, but I do think the McLaren's better from a chassis point of view. In terms of drivers, I kind of like the way Eric's gone youth on both fronts because you get a long time out of them and they're both incredibly talented with, yeah, with more to gain. So I'm going to agree with him on Verstappen, but rather than Ocon, I'm, I would go with Leclerc just because of how much I've enjoyed watching him in GP2 yeah. or F2, sorry, should I say. So I would give him a shot in the second seat against a young yet experienced Verstappen. I like it. We weren't that far removed, actually. I, I think if you ask lots of people that question, lots of people would say what we've said in terms of... I, I think so. Yeah, well. I think the only area you're going to get the discrepancies is the drivers. Cause, because you know full well some people just say, like, I don't know, Vettel and Perez, just because that's their favourite drivers. I'm trying to take that out of the equation, if I can. It almost feels silly to look past Hamilton, Vettel and Alonso, but... I'm thinking it's also more fun to pick longevity. I'm thinking longevity. This is <laughs> yeah, my I don't team. want a one season team. I want to yeah, I want to <laughs> build a dynasty. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So thank thank you right. very much for that Eric and obviously if anybody yeah, else has anything to send us then feel free to do the twitters and the facebooks which we'll cover in a minute once we've done predictions. Yep. So shall we do predictions? Predictions. Um, it's been a rough week. <laughs> it's been a rough week. Um, do you want me to go through the predictions, chaps? Go for go it. Uh, Put a set of emissaries. Okay, so uh, t- I'll make this quick and painless as possible. <laughs> um, Chris was the only person of us three to get a point. That Ugh. point was for the number of finishers. He went for 16, which is what I normally go for, and I didn't, and I'm very annoyed at myself for it. Um, <laughs> so t- neither Tom nor I got points, and um, I oh. will blast through the other point scorers so Craig Mitchell got a point for 16 numbers of finishers Paul Kelsall got half a point for first DNF um, he got close he's closest he was closest to the actual first DNF which uh, the what's the actual first DNF again it, it, was, it, was, it was Magnuson officially and Van Dorn after him because they came together then Ocon then yeah. Hartley and so, Hartley was Paul's. So we got half a point so for the fourth yeah, one fourth down the wow and the last okay. one of the four <laughs> that is our that what is, is going badly on this everyone week? performed in predictions this week. I mean, it was pretty. It was it was a rough one to predict, wasn't it? You, who yeah, who'd it have was. thought Hamilton was going to bin it in turn f- what four of of qualifying? Well, like, all but all but two people had him as fastest qualifier, yeah. so nobody. Um, except for me, Verstappen. I had stupid again. Um, <laughs> I guess that was before we knew Renault would turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's true. true. That's true. Anyway, so Paul Kelsall, half a point for Hartley um, and one point for 16 finishers. Um, Eric Richardson, you got uh, one point for 16 finishers. Everywhere, all the, pe- the following people got one point for 16 finishers. Eric Richardson, anywhere but here. Hendrik Lindoff and uh, Scars of Karma. And Scars of Karma also correctly predicted the random driver... Saints, who finished eleventh, um, 
They were one of three people who said he wouldn't get a point, actually. Everybody else had yeah, him Yeah, Eric points, Richardson which... had him down as first DNF, finishing 20th. <laughs> <Yeah>. so. <laughs> um, so to run through the scores on the doors, um, at Bearded Blob is uh, on zero points. Milto's F1, at Greek F1 fan is on zero points. Fim de Grid, our Brazilian cousins, are on zero points. <laughs> Joel versus gaming is on zero point five. Hendrik Lindoff, f- uh, four points. He's gone down one position. Anders Varda, four points down one position. Simon admit one is on four point five. He moves. He or she moves. It's a, obviously he <laughs> <laughs> moves down one position. Gina at Namin DNY. That's a she. <laughs> she, she, she <laughs> Some four four point five down one position. Scars of Cam have gone up four positions. Um impressive. From three points to five points. At faster than you. Um doesn't gain points faster than many people because they've gone down one position. They're on six. <laughs> nice. Um Eric Richardson, you've gone up one position to seventh from uh, Oh my goodness. What is what is this? <laughs> What is this? What is this list? It's absolutely ridiculous. It's the oh. same as it's been yeah. for the last nineteen races. Do you know what? When I looked at that list, I thought if I read that out, all I'm going to do is mention the people who moved up and down and not do the whole thing. Yeah. Um, Tom anywhere but here. You're up one. Craig Mitchell down one. Paul Kelsall up one. And that's life. They're trailing. They're one point behind me. Um, in I'm in third place. They're right Chris in there, aren't they? Moves up from an equal third to second, and Tom remains in the lead on 29 points. That was difficult. <laughs> Actually, in fact, it's the win between us three is still very much on because there's only one point between me and you, Stu, and two between me yep. and Tom. However, that's life. Um. The only way they can lose the listeners' championship is if Paul Kelsall gets a clean sweep. Oh uh, yeah! Oh yeah! If that's life, don't score, and Paul Kelsall gets five out of five, they will tie on twenty-five each. But otherwise, that's life have taken the uh, the listeners' championship. In which case, I'll have a, a nice prize winning so, it. So yeah. there's some added pressure in your predictions this week, Paul Kelsall. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm pretty. Uh, there's, um, there's just no way I can win this. Unless, unless, you can. Uh, well, you, you're going to have to have a really another poor week next week, and I'm going to have to. I need to score four points next week. Yeah, and I need you two both to score. Well, I need Tom to score zero and Chris to score less than four points. This is how titles should be. Down, see, look, yeah, it's so the, down the, to the wire. The world drivers' title may be over and done with, but you've got the excitement yeah. of finding out which of us is going to win. Yeah, the the, the, the championship <laughs> that everyone really cares about. Is this one exactly? Um, yeah, that's that's. If Paul Kelsall does pull off a miracle and score five out of five, he'll also win the bonus prize for uh, being the first person to get a clean sweep. But even if you've never taken part in predictions, you can also go for that clean sweep prize. So please send in your predictions for the next race. But we'll deal with that on our next episode. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us for anything else, uh, send us questions or comments and anything. We're on Twitter at Back of the Grid F1. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Back of the Grid, or our website is backofthegrid.com. Uh, 
If you want to get any of us, uh, Stu is on Twitter at Stu underscore PX. Tom is TomKing89 and I am TNM Chris. Mm-hmm. Uh, and unless anyone has anything else to add in the last few yes. seconds like and share please everyone everyone share this while we've got you remember yes. to share it please like share subscribe sound off in the comments below um, we've had a few people leave us uh, nice reviews on Facebook and iTunes and stuff as well which we are very very grateful for so if anybody else wants to leave some nice words about us that would be very very much appreciated yeah um and I think that will do us for this week. So we will be back next week for the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix preview. I nearly forgot where we were going <laughs> next. Um, and until then, goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. I'm never looking at the number of listeners that we get before going on this podcast ever again. <laughs> I completely cracked under the pressure at the end there. <laughs> oh. It was so oh entertaining. My God. Oh. <laughs> oh. This podcast is part of Britpod Scene, an independent network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritPodScene.com or BritPodScene on Twitter to find out more.